Hey, friend. Welcome to Houston Mate, a show where I, Rusty Gates, get to talk with local Houston-based entrepreneurs and business owners about what it's like to be in the middle of that journey and selfishly gain insights as I build my own business. In this episode, I got to sit down with my new friend, Andrew Mitchum, the owner, operator, and brewmaster for Senate Avenue Brewing in Jersey Village, which, as Andrew would call it, is the first OG suburb of Houston. About a month ago, I was riding my one wheel around the area and stumbled across Senate Ave just a couple miles from my home. As a resident of unincorporated Houston, its existence was a deeply welcomed revelation. Not only is it a great brewery, it's also a restaurant with an excellent vibe and enough space for my kids to run around outside. It was a joy to get to sit down with Andrew to chat about his business and his unique journey to figure out what he wants to do when he grows up. So listen in as Andrew and I discuss starting a nano brewery during a pandemic, why it's easier than ever to be an entrepreneur, and how he legitimately became mayor of Jersey Village. Yeah, it's been fun. And it's opened yeah. some doors for me. But it, basically, these were conversations that we're already having. I got into real estate four-ish years ago, partially because I was tired of corporate work. And yeah. I was working, if I was working really hard and busting it, like, number one on my team, didn't matter. Yeah. If I spent five hours a day on Reddit yep. and still made my numbers, it didn't matter. Yeah. And it was actually the boredom that killed me more than anything. Oh, my gosh. Like, speaking my language, sir. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I worked in IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That was – I'm still – I don't know. You're probably one of these people, too, but I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. I'm, I'm 38. Um, this is job number 25, I think, um, career shift number five. And my I worked in, in IT in oil and gas – and I can say this because I'm, he's no longer my, my boss. I had a great boss, had a great, great everything. But um, I got promoted to the point where I was working for just three people, mm-hmm. the, the three or four people at the top of the company, and they yeah. were never there. Yeah. And so there was a lot of times where I literally sat for a whole week doing nothing. Yeah. And my brain is not designed to sit and do nothing. So Agreed. It was very boring. And so, I mean... I just basically sat and just did business plans of what do I want to do? What's, but it was like, it was not making me happy. Yeah. I was just, I was very good at what I did and, and people, you know, that's why I did, that's why I got up to where I was, but, and, and, and they put me in front of these very important billionaire people, but, um, no, I, I can't yeah. sit. And so I would like walk around the tunnels downtown, you know, the tunnels yeah. downtown, yeah. just walk around, See, what's, to, what's and just, there. just like do laps and just, oh man, just try to stimulate something. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. So won't do it. It's yeah. Like, everyone's like, well, why'd you leave that? That's a pretty cushy job. And it was, that's the problem. Um, but yeah, taking that leap is scary. And, um, but you know, the kids these days say YOLO, you only live once. And it's, mm-hmm a damn good uh, thing to live by you know don't, don't go jumping off bridges and stuff but sure but uh you do only live once yeah. and you know i i love a challenge love everything about it so um yeah well we'll dive into all that andrew mitchum with senate avenue brewing senate ave yeah we we do senate ave or senate avenue it depends but if, if i'm writing it it's senate ave senate <laughs> senate ave brewing um we are here in your brewery your brew pub uh for people who don't know about you don't know you're even here tell us about senate ave here out here in jersey village well we are a uh classified as a nano brewery um microbrewery is anything five barrels or above we are nano brewery five barrels and below our brew house is three and a half barrels so we produce uh 108 gallons of beer at a time every time that we brew so that's a new classification that came out a few years ago and it seems to be the business model that most new breweries are 
going forward with. Mm-hmm. Um, distribution is so hard. So we just sell all of our beer through our tap room. Uh, we are a true uh, brew pub, meaning that we have a kitchen. So we have the talented uh, Vahid, Vahid Navasi, uh, who runs Cafe Benedict in the Energy Corridor. They uh, hopped on board to run our kitchen. So we, uh, we make a lot of beers that pair with their food. We're open every single day uh, for lunch. Again, not a lot of breweries do that. Most uh, breweries in Houston are Wednesday through Sunday. We are open at seven days a week. Uh, we also do brunch on Saturday, Sundays. You were here for brunch, I think. Were you here for brunch? I missed it. Yeah, you missed I it. Gave an Astros. That yeah, you were Astros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, we are humongous Astros fans here. Uh, yeah. We go all out when the Astros are playing, especially in the playoffs. Uh, I, I, my emotional state is dictated by whether the Astros win or lose. Um, <laughs> that's why but, we put this off for a week or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to, I had to you know, chill out a little bit with them. Yeah. But hey, I'm proud of them. And uh, but yeah, we're we're uh, also not a typical brewery in the sense that we're in a retail space. A lot of breweries in Houston and in the area are in office warehouse spaces. And so our brewery caters to the customer experience, I think, a little better than not that I'm competing with a lot of breweries. We're not really competition. There's plenty of space in the marketplace. But uh, you'll notice when you walk in, we're basically a restaurant that brews our own beer. So instead of buying other people's beer, we brew our own beer. When you walk in, you'll see the tanks, you'll see me, you'll see the brew house, you'll see everything. You'll smell if you come here on a brew day, you'll smell the brewing experience. So that's really kind of what we are in a nutshell. We're community-owned, so I own the majority of the company. Um, but I got together with a bunch of friends of mine in the neighborhood and said, hey, um, let's start a brewery. This, this retail space became available about three years ago, uh, one of the first real retail spaces in the city of Jersey Village, and um, hopped on it. So, yeah, yeah. That's in a nutshell, what, what we do, we just make – we have 12 taps of beer. We've been open a little over a year. Man, I, I'm so glad – to sit down with you, but also just so glad that you're here. Um, I have, I think even in the last episode, I was talking about how Houston has changed and the standard by which I was judging it was how many breweries are close to me. <laughs> right. That's so, a good, that, that may be a good metric. Yeah. Have, well, yeah. and you know, I moved from Denver. I'd spent four oh, years wow, in yeah. Denver going to graduate school and there was a microbrewery or a nanobrewery on every corner. Right. And right. so it was, what do you want to go? It's that one, that one, that one. There's just sure. up and down and there's, and every one of them seemed to have great beer. Sure. Yeah. And so then I moved here uh, with my wife in 2014. So I think we have some similarities in our sure. story that yeah. <laughs> our wives have brought us here. Yes. Chasing love. And, uh, but moved here, uh, we moved out, we're moving with, uh, moved in with some of her family out on Skinner. Yes. So yeah. we we're yeah, deep nothing. in the burbs. Yeah. Yeah. Deep, and that was 2014. 2014, yeah. yeah. So there just was nothing. It was <laughs> like you could find some Coors Light some places. Yeah. Like it was, it was it. And um, at the time, I mean, I remember driving into town even, mm-hmm. and there was Carbox, St. Arnold, but they're still not what they were today. Yeah. Or, yeah. They still weren't yeah. what they are today. Um, and it was just, it was like bars. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a different thing. And so. Yeah. You know, it, you've been here for a year, and it wasn't a, a month or so ago that I stumbled upon you. Yeah. And I live, you know, right across the street uh, from Klaus, and mm-hmm. so I was just so excited that there was a place within a one-wheel ride of yes, my house exactly. to come come drink beer. And, and yeah, like, like you said, this is so much more than just a brewery. Sure. I mean, you have, like, three to five operations going on in this space. It's constant. Really. It's constant. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, you know... You mentioned Carbach, you mentioned St. Arnold, and that's the breweries I went to uh, when I moved back here to Houston in 2010, 
10. And they were, you know, it felt like when you went, you were going to a brewery and they were doing their thing and you were sort of an inconvenience almost. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm just here to drink your beer. And they're like, okay, fine, here's some beer. Um, St. Arnold has done a fantastic job and Carbuck yeah. has done a fantastic job of flipping the script mm-hmm. and, and making it about a, the a destination, a, destination yeah. a, a proper beer garden, a proper place to go, food. Um, that's, that's really, we're like a mini version of St. Arnold, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we, we have food, we have a, a, a play place for kids. Um, it's dog friendly as you can tell. And, um, you know, it, I love going to St. Arnold. I go there all the time. Uh, whenever I have to go to the East side of downtown, I always stop in and pop in. And it's been something that, you know, if you're in Denver, you're in San Diego, you're in uh, Portland, there's a brew pub on every corner. Mm-hmm. But most of them are also very small. They're, yeah. they're, they're nano-sized. Uh, my wife and I went to San Diego back in 2011, and I remember just, I mean, you could you could throw a rock and hit a brew pub. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and they had this, like, you could see the brewing process, you could see what they were doing, you could eat the food, and nothing was constant on their menu. Um, they always had something different. Uh, I could tell that the brewers were very happy. They weren't just ch- chugging out pilsners. Yeah. They were chugging out really fun stuff. And, and that's, I mean, if you want to get into a business um, that's your hobby, you better keep it fun. And so yeah. I love, my morning is coming in and sampling beer. Like, yeah. It's great, but I'm not sampling the same stuff over and over and over. Yeah. I, I have some constant stuff that we have flagship stuff, but our size, you're just able to experiment a little bit. No batch is the same. You know, our, our Hefeweizen has changed like four or five times and I've only brewed it five times. And so it's different experiments you can do. It's so much fun. And I think once you just get into that, we're just chugging out 30 barrels of this and this and this all the time. It's just, what's the, yeah. it's just not fun. And that some people like it, not crapping on anybody for sure uh, business plans or anything like that but that's what makes us different and that's that's what motivates me you know i'll go and i'll sample something or somebody will bring me beer and i'll sample it i'm like i gotta i gotta make this this is really cool yeah and i love it you know we're like a big homebrew shop you yeah know, and it's it's fun so. well it's definitely approachable it's it's a really great vibe that you've created in here but to your point um, it's much needed. I think that, as you said, like, yeah, I, I'll go out that way whenever I'm on the east side of town, mm-hmm. which when you live out here, if you work out here, mm-hmm. like, why are we driving 20 miles exactly. in that direction exactly. to yeah. go have a beer or two yeah. and then hang out yeah. <laughs> and then wait until we can drive all the way back home? And it's not like you're going to Uber down there. Yeah. It'd be a, like $80 Uber trip. I, I've, I've always wondered, I mean, you lived out Skinner, which is Cyprus. Mm-hmm. That's that's eight hundred thousand people live out in Cyprus. Jersey Village has eight thousand people. There's two thousand rooftops right over here. You know, when I was on city council and I, and when I was mayor, our, our my big push was economic development, mm-hmm. and we we always went and sat with developers and we're trying to tell them about this area and how there is such a void of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've given this speech a thousand times. Yeah, you know, we, my wife and I, when we want a date night, we go to City Center. Mm-hmm. We go to Town Lake. Yeah, there is a market here to support it, and I'm kind of happy that I proved it. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, it, could things be better? Of course, it's the middle of a pandemic, though. It's it's 30 percent of Americans don't want to leave their house still. Yeah, and so that's been a, a huge, huge challenge. Um, but yeah, it's it. There's a there's the market always works out in my opinion. I think that's, what's great about Houston, especially is mm-hmm. it's so elastic. Um, and there's always people hustling. Yeah. And so if there's a market void, we're going to fill it. I just, yeah. 
I wish that somebody else probably would have done it with me because I still feel alone. Sure. Um, but I do know now that we've been here that, and I've told our, our, our ownership group this, we've been open a year. We've figured out the kinks. We have a good following. We have some capital expenditures planned for next year to grow even more. But it's naive to think that we're going to be alone for long. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more and more of this exact business model popping up yep. close by. Yeah. And and we have to be the St. Arnold of mm-hmm. this side of town because um, they're going to compare us to the new people. They're going to, they're going to draw away crowds. So markets are great when there's, when you're the first person into it, but it's naive to think that we're just going to be alone. Yeah. So, so, which is fine. You know, there's, there's, Plenty of, you know, as I told the developers when I was mayor, yeah. like, hey, there's plenty of, plenty of opportunity, plenty of, uh, plenty of people to feed and drink and, and, um, it's not saturated at all yet. So no, I'm no, not at all worried. Away. Yeah. I'm not at all worried. Uh, but you know, you still have to, you know, I don't want to be talked about as that place that used to be pretty good. I, I always want to be the good place. Yeah. So I do love that competitive edge. I think there's something to be said for. I, I believe in community over competition. Sure. I think that's a, a great sentiment. And I mean that is like, I love, I think we can get along. <laughs> I'm a, a parent of divorced children or a divorced parents. Yeah. And I'm a child of divorced parents. Right. There it is. And I have just grown up being like, no, we can, yeah. you're cool. You're cool. Like I yeah, love you both and you're along. different. I get it. <laughs> um, and so I do believe that sentiment. However, I'm also pretty competitive and sure. I do think that, you know, looking at others around you and striving to be your best sure. and seeing what they're doing and allowing that to motivate you to push and sure. improve and grow isn't a bad thing. No. And I, so I, I think it'll, that's a, a surefire way to, again, as long as you keep that competitive edge, it sure. is when you get comfortable and you're like, oh, well we did it. Like, yeah. and now yeah. we can kind of just coast. That's yeah. where I think yeah. things fall out. Okay. You mentioned City Council Mayor, but I want to back up, sure, because I think that your your personal story is really interesting, and I have to believe that it has uh, fed into all that you've <laughs> created here. So, uh, your first semester, UT Austin, yeah, few months in, couple months in, nine eleven happens, right? The right. next couple day, weeks, yeah, was quick. you enlist U.S. Army Corps yes. Reserve Corps, yes, uh, to become a combat medic, yeah. right? Yeah, and so then you spend years. Traveling around, all around, teaching people, medical courses, um, serving at local hospitals, serving mm-hmm. VAs, all of that. But then you get into IT. So kind of just walk me through some of that. I know that's, a, that's a kind of the cliff notes. <laughs> I, but, um, I mean, as you got into that, you got into IT. Yeah. Again, you said earlier, uh, like kind of before all this, that you didn't know what you want to be a grow up. You still don't know no, what you want to be a grow up. Still don't know what I want to do. <laughs> but obviously you were cause driven and then yeah. you just kind of moved from there. Yeah. I think that's a great cause driven. I've never used that before. That's a great, yeah. Uh, you know, my family has always served in the military. I always knew I wanted to do it. And when I was at university of Texas, I was in ROTC and I wanted to become an officer at some point. I felt that that was a really great way to serve my country, to kind of fulfill my destiny of, of service that my family has, has done before. And then 9-11 happened, and I think that was the Pearl Harbor of my generation, of our generation. Yeah. And it was, um, it was a no-brainer. Uh, I, I, I was angry. I, was, I, I wanted to do something about it. And then uh, 
the other half is I was not doing very well at UT. Um, <laughs> I was a biochemistry pre-med major, which was the probably the worst decision I ever made in my life. I still to this day tell my, I have a few 17-year-olds who work for us, and I'm like, feel free to take a year or two off because I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. making a 17-year-old decide what they want to do for the rest of their life is the dumbest thing we as a society yeah, as a and commit to $150,000 of student loans. Yeah, uh, no, it, it was it was <laughs> constant work, constant studying, and I kind of knew that I wasn't going to make it. Mm-hmm. And so 9-11 happened, and I decided to take a shortcut to military service, and I did it. And it was the best decision I ever made. Now, I still wanted to be a combat medic. I still wanted to do something medical. I was still excited about maybe becoming a doctor one day um, or a paramedic. And um, turns out I don't like the medical field. Um, yeah. It's just one of those things. Again, I, I, I just didn't love it. So I spent uh, my contract term in the Reserve Corps jumping from hospital to hospital, doing a lot of training. Um, everyone asks where I've been and I do the Johnny Cash song. I, I've been everywhere, yeah. man. It's, I've literally been all over the United States. And that's kind of how I got into craft beer because mm. I was uh, stationed for a year in Camp Parks, California, right outside of San Francisco. And that was when the IPA, West Coast IPA scene was just blowing up and it yeah. was like a race to get the most IBUs in a beer. <laughs> and it was so much fun to see that and try that. So that's where really where I shaped my palate for, for uh, beers. Um, and I saw the community as well. That was yeah. pretty cool. Um, and then I got into IT because uh, I was a computer gamer, loved to play video games. I would build my own computers uh, to be the best at Counter-Strike ever <laughs> and uh, get the best frame rate and refresh rate and all that fun yeah. stuff. And then I actually started to run my own game servers. So people would actually play on my Counter-Strike game servers. And I was obsessed with security make sure people can hack it, making sure the speeds were as best as they possibly could. Um, I remember when... That is our generation. Oh, I, yeah. They were that, that, that's, that's, missing, <laughs> that's missing a target demographic for sure. Like, there oh, yeah. people who are like, what? Oh, but, yeah. like, I know exactly what you're oh, talking yeah. about yeah. and being like, no, it matters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was just, like, everyone loved it. And so I just sort of got into IT that way and security and and learning about like I, I was that dork at Fry's that would like buy the motherboard processor combos and and uh, get the best graphics card I possibly could. So that's how I got into IT. I got a corporate IT job um, with a construction company. Actually, before that, I worked for Geek Squad. So nice. entrepreneurship tip: don't be afraid to work at the bottom. Yeah, that's just where jump in, get experience, get yelled at by a grandma. Uh, in, in, in line at Best Buy. That's the best best advice I, I could give. And then from there, I got that experience, jumped to the corporate world with benefits and all that great stuff, um, and then just worked my way up. Grind, 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 grind. And, uh, yeah, so um, that's kind of how I got into IT. And then... Um, and then your first... You, so you did that for a while. You're at the yeah. construction company. It's going well. But then that's where like you started to take this leap into starting your own businesses. So like you and your yeah. brother-in-law started a business, sorry. Right? Yeah. So, uh, I moved to Houston, um, to be with my girlfriend at the time, my current wife, Michelle. And, um, we went to high school together. Uh, and so I just really put my resume out in Houston and I got a job with an oil and gas company. Uh, best. I mean, it was, it was great. Oil and gas in Houston pays very, very well. Great benefits. Yeah. It, it was, it was a really hard job to leave. But I just got a little bored. Um, I was promoted into a position where uh, I worked for very important people, but there were only four of them. And everything was running smooth. And I just sort of sat idle hands and um, 
there was a dip. I forget which dip it was in yeah, oil, but it happened, <laughs> yeah. and our company got bought uh, and then spun off. And so they were laying off a bunch of people. I decided it was my time to spin off and do my own thing. Yeah. So my brother-in-law and I, um, he already had an IT consulting firm, but it was really just sort of sitting idle. And I'm like, hey, let's, yeah. let's, let's I, I have all these contacts in oil and gas. Let's start, let's start this back up. Yeah. So we did that. Um, I went off on my own and started my own consulting firm, uh, 2016, 2017 and did that. That was my, that was my day job. I absolutely loved it. Uh, that was the first big leap into entrepreneurship, at least for me. Um, my wife owns a pediatric therapy, uh, clinic, excuse me, I stutter. So, uh, she owns a clinic and, um, she started that one back in, oh gosh, 20, she's going to kill me. 2015. Uh, they're, they're, I know they're six years old. So whatever year is yeah. it, they're six, 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 they're six years old. Uh, and uh, so that was a real first jump in entrepreneurship was her starting this practice. Lots of overhead rent, mm-hmm. um, signing personal guarantees, all that really, really scary shit. Yeah. Uh, and so that was the first leap. Then I started my IT consulting firm. That was a little easier because I had clients ready to go. You had the relationships um, and people were ready, I literally, ready to go. Like, uh, the, the executives of this oil company that I was leaving, they were still in their offices. I just literally changed my shirt and came back in and said, Hey, can I be your consultant for your yeah. home, for your, for your business, any businesses down the road you start? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. They, they trusted yeah, me. The I, knew, I knew everything about them, about their families, about everything. So that was a lot easier than probably somebody just going like cold Turkey. I'm leaving my job and I'm starting a business, yeah. you know? Everyone thinks about the, I'm just going to write a business plan, go to the SBA, get a loan, and then bam, I'm in business. No, I I, I, um, I, I got a little leg up there. Yeah, the relationships make it big. The big. relationships were there. So. I was, so I've got the real estate business, been doing that for yeah. almost four years, coming up in four years. Um, and then earlier this year, launched a media company, which was mm-hmm. almost accidental. I knew I wanted to make videos, but I was just going to do that for me. I didn't know if it was going right. to YouTube or right. whatever. Right. I was just like, again, don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but I know I want to have fun. Yeah. And all the people that I was watching that seemed like they're having the most fun were the guys with the cameras. Sure. And I was like, so I want to do yeah. that. Started making videos and then started getting clients. Yeah. And more importantly, like, oh, hey, I saw that video. Would you do one for me? Right. Yeah. And when I finally said like, okay, I'm going to like make a real go of the, the media thing. I'm going to do these concurrently and build my real estate business where I can delegate as much as I can. So I can do yeah. the best parts that I'm best at. And then I can focus on building this and getting it from the ground up. And when I really put my mind to it and said, Hey, I'm going to do this immediately. I had four regular clients right. because of right. the relationships, right. because they were agents in my office mm-hmm. that have seen me make videos for myself for a long time. And they were like, we were just waiting for you to yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then it just relationship from there is yeah. those people knew me and trusted me and then started giving me referrals for more media work. And it is, I think that had I just, if I moved to Oklahoma city with a camera and be yeah. like, Hey, I, I have a media company. Right. I'm sure I could hustle up some business, sure, but I wouldn't have had the start that I had here. Right. Right. Having been in here in Houston at, for four years at a corporate right. job where almost every one of those people that I used to work with at that corporate job now are small business owners and entrepreneurs. Right. Right. At least five of them have sure. been guests on this show. Sure. So that was a big step in the right mm-hmm. direction. Um, and then through real estate, just like I made so many relationships through that. that it, it's a big, I know real estate, I, I have a lot of realtors in my family and, and it's, they're constantly hustling, but they're having a lot of fun and yeah. you, you meet a lot of people. And I, 
you know, it's not it's not so much even the relationships. You can have relationships, but you got to be the reliable one. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of grinding that happened at the very beginning of the IT consulting business. It was calls at 2 a.m. because something's not working. Yeah. Um, and, and I became known as the guy who would answer his phone on the second ring at 2 a.m. Yeah. And I have a, a, a my wife is an entrepreneur. She's a hustler, and she understood it. She was never upset that I had to leave for three days to go to mm-hmm. a swamp in Louisiana to fix a cell phone tower. Yeah. She, she was like, Oh, absolutely. I got it. You know? And, and, um, so having that good partnership has been a huge plus having an entrepreneur in the family. Mm-hmm. Actually, she's I'm more successful than I am. She's Houston business <laughs> journal award winner, all this, all this great, great we'll get, stuff. We'll get her on for season two. Oh yeah. She, she will, she will talk your ear off probably more than I, <laughs> but, uh, she, she's having a good partnership, having a good surrounding with, with people who understand. But again, if anyone's listening to this, watching this and, and you know, how, how, how do you get that client base? How do you build it up? Get experience and always say yes. Yeah. Um, it changes all the time, all the time. And I remember I got uh, I, I, uh, one of my clients, um, they were unhappy with their phone bill. And so I started to research voice over IP. I'd never done voice over IP in my entire life. And I just went to them one day and I just said, hey, I can install a whole new phone system. It'll be a tenth of the cost of what you currently pay, Goodness, whatever yeah. company was that was just absolutely overcharging them. And they were like, okay, fine, try it. And they let me do it. They, they gave me a, a palette with which to uh, paint my art. <laughs> and, yeah. and I did it. But always say yes. Um, you, can, you can figure out a way. Um, join a guild. Uh, join the Chamber of Commerce. Join something that you can network with people. And if you have a question, you can ask. And I will tell you, most people will answer your question. The yeah. worst they can say is no. Yeah. So I always get that question from young people, especially how, how, how'd you do what you did? I, I asked questions, yeah. but I also said yes to everything that came my way. Yeah. I think it's, it's willing to being willing to put enough on the table to like really risk. I think saying yes, that's going to, in a way that's going to force you to learn the next thing. Yeah. And that, that is terrifying. I mean, so I went out and shot video on Saturday for a buddy of mine uh, who owns, who's a previous guest on the show, um, Jake from Rent Eboards, at a big electric vehicle convention. Oh, nice. So I, I shot for him. That, yeah. like, that makes sense. Like, yeah. I have a good relationship with him. I've shot videos for him before. Yeah. But he got my foot in the door to shoot a video for Segway. Like, oh, nice. People, like, go to China and, wow. like, be approved by their VPs and presidents up like in China. That's awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm stoked for that. Was also terrified. Oh, sure. For, like, sure. A month leading up to that event being like, I don't know. Well, you got to look like you know what you're doing too. Yeah. And just and being like, well, what do I need to learn before then to yeah. be semi-competent at this? And and again, it was scary. I would, yeah. Part of me wanted to be like, you know what? Never yeah. mind. Like, it's cool. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity, but I'm not ready. Yeah. And maybe I wasn't when I said yes, yeah. but I did everything in my power to hustle and prepare and be ready. And Saturday, it was amazing. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And I produced one of the videos, and I'm really proud of it. It's um, awesome. But, yeah, so I think, one, it's saying yes and being willing to say yes to things that make you learn, mm-hmm. like that that you don't have all the answers to or don't yeah. have all the skill set yeah. for today. Yes. but And manage expectations. That's, a, that's yeah. a buzzword. I think it's used a lot, but it's absolutely true. So, for example, with the voiceover IP client, I said... I've never done it before. Yep. I'm going to learn it. We're going to do it. And then also we kept the old system in place and tested the new system 
and did a switch over, but we left it to where if something was wrong, we could just switch it back over. Yeah. So always have a way out, but also manage expectations. Yeah. But you'll find more often than not, people will, uh, especially if we're if you're messing, not if you're if you're meshing with an entrepreneur yeah. as well. If you're messing with a, meshing with a small business, uh, most of my clients were small architecture firms and, mm-hmm. and, and attorneys and gymnastic studios and dentist office and and so they they are running their their. They're hustling as well, yeah. But they also want to save money, yeah. And so that was a real great way of like, uh, hey, I'm small business too. I'm one guy, but like I can remember I answer the phone. For you. I answer yeah. the phone at two a.m. I'm that guy, and so they they gave that trust to me, and they they were able to do it. But always say, hey, I'm new to this, yeah. So be honest about yeah. it, yeah. But but uh, but more often than not, you you it's easier to what's the saying? It's easier to ask forgiveness and whatever that term yeah, is. But it's it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. So, yeah. um, I I say go for it. Yeah, like, jump jump right in, do it, do uh, it. I, and, I and also, agree. you have the world at your fingertips these days. Google, YouTube. Yeah. I mean, I'm a college dropout. Uh, I learned how to brew by googling a bunch of stuff and and going to homebrew competitions and talking to people and and you don't have to have that formal education to be really great at what you do. Yeah. There's the, if you were having a problem, someone else or else out there has had that problem yeah. and they have solved it and they probably put it on. And they're, too. and they're good. <laughs> and they're most likely going to be willing to share and want oh, to sure. share. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. even in preparation for this, the shoot over the weekend. Um, there are two people that I had reached out to for some questions. One is a guy who I found on TikTok. And I was like, he's a videographer. He's mm-hmm. a little further advanced than I am. He's younger than I am, which that hurts. But, okay. <laughs> but and I was like, okay. But, Trust me, as you get older, they all yeah. are younger than you. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but he's a guy that I just like can text and I look yeah. FaceTime and ask him. And we've never met in person, but I found him. I was like, hey, I love what you do. Sure. Can I ask you some questions? And he was kind enough to say yes. The other is like a famous YouTuber. Uh, I mean, in certain circles. Yeah. And, um, and we've sent messages back and forth a couple times and I have, I've subscribed to his channel and, yeah. and uh, I had a question and I was just like, I need a second opinion. Like, yeah. I, I think I'm right. But again, this is a kind of a big risk. Yeah. So I just need to make sure and send him a Instagram message and yeah. within a couple hours. He had one back. It's that's like, awesome. here's a couple answers, tips, tricks. And like, that's, that's, that's just, yeah. it's not, I mean, that's not something you could have done 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago that like yeah. have access to all of these people who, who have gone before you and are, more than willing to be like, hey, I have this knowledge. I'd love to share it. I tell people all the time, I, I would be terrified mm-hmm. to open a brewery, had I opened a brewery 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who have gone before me, uh, I praise all the time. Yeah. They, they really, they were in a, they were in a space that, that was probably a better market because there were less breweries, but the knowledge wasn't out there. And, yeah. it, and it was really, really hard to, you know, I, my size, especially, I can order a seven barrel tank and have it here in in, in two months. Back then, they didn't even make seven barrel tanks, so yeah, this business model made, is yeah, yeah is like is is kind of new, but it's it's um it's different because back then they were really pioneers, especially in Houston, and, and you had to travel to, to to see what other people were doing. There was it was there was a guild, but it was very very small. So, uh, but yeah, that that knowledge base has grown and. A big, a big thing that entrepreneurs need to realize if you're getting into this space is is tap into that knowledge. The worst you can get is a, is a no or a no or get ghosted. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that's basically it. So, I mean, if you're not putting yourself out there and asking questions, um, you're going to pay for it. Yeah. And and there's a lot of things I've done here that I really should have asked and I didn't, and I pay I paid for it and I'm still paying for it. 
and we're going to fix that stuff in this next year. But, but, uh, but that, I mean, that's honestly the cost sure. of you having everything else that is working. Yeah. Right. Like as you couldn't have the stuff that is working without the stuff that you failed at sure. and the things sure. that you messed you up learn. and like, you're like, that's just how it goes. And you're I learn. like, I bought gear that I thought was going to solve everything and it didn't. Oh yeah. That was the cost of like, oh, well yeah. now, I, now, but now I know why. Oh and yeah. Then I got the right thing. Okay. Between IT and the brewery, yes, uh, is public service. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jersey. So let's talk about Jersey Village for a second. Okay, okay. So when people ask where I live, I say basically Jersey Village. Yes, probably a Jersey Village resident would be like, "Well, okay, you're not really in Jersey Village." And I go, yeah, like, I know, people are real I'm territorial like, with I'm, the boundaries and stuff. I'm, but. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm about half a mile from sure. from from Jersey Village, but. Uh, that's the point. But, okay, Jersey Village is this little town. Sure. It's a municipality. It's, it's got stuff. everything. Yep. Police, with, fire, city council, mayor. It. It's yeah, got everything. Uh, yeah, your police are well known to those of us who live around Jersey Village. We love, we love our, our guys here. <laughs> guys and um, But it's this little pocket town in the kind of the crux of 290 and Beltway 8. Right. Um, on your Twitter bio, it, it says that you were the, the former mayor of the best town in, in, in the world. I believe it. So talk to me about why Jersey Village is the best town in the world. Well, you have to understand where Jersey Village came from. I call us the OG suburb of Houston. Where we're sitting right now was just a big dairy farm. And so that's why it's called Jersey Village. Is their Jer- Jersey cows were the cows that, that, that were raised on this, on this land that we're sitting on right now. And the, the people who own the land decided to get into the real estate bi- uh, development business, and they started to build houses and build streets. And then um, there was a threat of Houston overtaking Jersey Village, and uh, overnight the city incorporated by vote um, back in the fifties. And uh, so it's it's uh, we really like to be independent in Jersey Village. It's a bedroom community that's starting to branch out into economic development businesses. Um, we're starting to feel the pressure of the eight hundred thousand people who surround us. Um, and, but but everyone's fiercely independent here. Uh, we love the fact that we have our own police fire. We're very proud of them. You know, we write Jerseyville as Texas at a Houston, Texas on our mail, and we're super proud of that. Yeah, uh, and I'm proud. Say, and I'm proud that I have. I'm an unincorporated Houston. Yeah, and I'm proud that I get to write Houston yes. and not Cyprus. Yes. So I guess there's a pecking order. Sure, here. sure. <laughs> it, it's. I mean, you could write Houston on on our mail, but like it's just one of those things where you're just proud to write, yeah. even though it's longer to write. You, you yeah. write it, and and um, because we're writing so many letters these yes, days. Yes, <laughs> exactly. When I pay my bills, I'm just happy yeah. to write. Um, but yeah, it's it's a. There's been since since we've been around since the fifties. There's been four or five generations of people that have come through, and 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 it's it's unique in the sense that it's a bedroom community surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people. But our location cannot be beat. No, we are two ninety Beltway eight. We're ten fifteen minutes from anywhere in Houston. That's literally why we bought here. Oh we yeah, were, I was working at the time Greenway Plaza. My yeah. wife was working. Out at five twenty nine and ninety nine during yeah. the day we were forty three miles apart from one another, yeah. and so I was like, "We'll we'll move towards the middle, yeah. like right, and that's that's fine." But I was like, "I'm not going further yeah. than essentially Jersey Village yeah. for that exact reason yeah. is because I wanted to be able to get anywhere, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. we get to City Center, we can go to Fairfield, we can mm-hmm. go up to 
uh, the vintage area, sure. or we can go into town and be yeah. without traffic. Yeah. Now, especially now that 290 is done, you can be yeah. there in 15 you, minutes. It's really sort of the Mayberry feel yeah. where you know your neighbors. Yeah. Uh, um, it's just, it's had a few things missing. And, and one of the big things missing was restaurants, entertainment, um, things to do. Because as yeah. you mentioned, we're 15 minutes from everywhere. Yeah. So everyone goes elsewhere. And that was a big challenge when I was on city council. And as mayor was, was capturing that lost, if you will, lost revenue of sales tax, um, because we don't want to raise taxes on property tax. We actually lowered, lower property taxes. Um, and so how do you make, make sure that a business like mine can grow and thrive and contribute what we do to the, to the city and support all those services that police fire EMS is not cheap. Yeah. Uh, oh, for sure. Our, our, util- our, our utilities are getting older and older and older. You got to replace pipes. You got to replace that. You got to improve the parks to compete with Bridgeland and all these places that are that are getting splash pads and dog parks and stuff. And and then also at the same time, you've got to smooth over the people who don't want things to change. Yeah. And sort of tell them, hey, if you don't change, you're going to become a yeah. dying community, and we don't want that, and you yeah. don't want that. And and how do you how do you? That was a big challenge in communicating with people who just didn't want to see a lot of change, didn't want to become a Bridgeland, didn't want to become a Fairfield. They wanted to stay Jerseyville's, and I get it. I absolutely yeah. do. I love this place. I fiercely defend it. Uh, I, I celebrate it. I'm the biggest cheerleader there is of the city, and that's been a big challenge. And, and I hope that I did that. Um, I think I did. I think I think this place speaks for itself. I think that yeah. um, the changes that have happened um, after the Highway, two, two, highway two, 290 expansion, you know, we hit a big bump with the pandemic, but I, I still feel, I, I think I, our best days are ahead of us. And I'm not even the mayor anymore. And I can say that. So. Yeah. <laughs> mayor though. I mean, did, again, you set out, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to do all these things. IT mayor. Where did that come from? I mean, I think you're probably the first mayor that I've ever, or former mayor. Do you carry the title with you forever? Is you, it like, you sort of do. I, it's, it's been up in the air whether it's sort of my nickname. All of my cool. employees still call me that. So I kind of okay. go by that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it technically, if you're, if you're in an in, in executive position, you get to keep the title. So I go, I go by mayor. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's funny because all the, you know, the mayor before me and the current mayor, we're all really good friends. So sometimes I'll come in here and we'll, they'll walk through the door. I'm like, mayor, mayor, mayor. <laughs> and, and so we, you know, we, we, we joke about that, but it, I mean, public service, though, that was a thing. I mean, did you just because, again, is it just the passion for the community or at some point you're like. People ask me to. People ask me to, to be totally honest with you. Yeah. Um, when I, when my wife and I moved here, we moved back here in 2011, bought, bought a house in 2011, closed on it in 2012. Um, and I just, having grown up here and gone off into the world and lived in great places like Austin and Dallas and Frisco and. Yeah. All in Plano and all these areas that are just using their location and using their community advantages to grow in a sustainable manner and just improve quality of life. I didn't dislike what was going on in Jersey Village. I just kind of saw the writing on the wall. If things keep going this way. If we don't do something to compete with the surrounding communities that even some of the you know, like steeplechase is right down the street. Sure. It's a community that really kind of prospered in the seventies and eighties. They're redoing all of their parks. They're yeah. getting splash pads. They're getting dog parks. They're getting mm-hmm. these amenities that are improving the quality of life and attracting people like you and me. Yeah. 
what happens when you and I get to be 65, 70, and we want to retire, and we want to go somewhere else. We want to get in an RV and travel the United States. We yeah. have to sell our house. Yeah, we, and hope that the property values have continued hope, to grow. Hope, yeah, Hoping that, that you're going to get what you put in. It, it, that was a huge challenge, and I kind of saw the we keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And I really hate when people say, this is just the way it's always been done. That's like my biggest pet peeve. (laughs) Sure. That's the way it's always been done. Yeah. Bad reasons. But let's, there's a way to have your cake and eat it too, in my opinion. And, And that was investing some money into amenities uh, that were family friendly and community friendly and, and appealed not just to young families as I keep saying that, and that's really, but really where do you replenish your, your home buyers from? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that you have to do. It's, whether a, you it's like the it business of a community, a business of a neighborhood that right. we, it's really hard to think about. It, it is, it's, yeah. but that's a market and that's, and if you don't talk about it, then, then, then shame on you. And yeah. so that's something that, that, well, and the builders, the new builds, they sure as hell know. Oh, like, sure. Right? You go over to Amira over off of 249 yeah. or 99 out there, and it is. like they are, right. they are like tour guides. They have built a resort yeah. that is a part of this neighborhood oh, because sure. they know it's going to sell homes. Absolutely. That was the, a huge challenge, and, and, and I think it went over well because I came from here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went to the same elementary school as their kids. My kids go there. I went to, I went to the high school here. You're so my wife. Yeah. And so, and, and, and now I'm really invested in the community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was something that um, I started to go to city council meetings mm-hmm. um, and just sit in the audience and just watch and see how it was done. And then I got asked to be on this uh, committee that was called the Comprehensive Plan Committee. A comprehensive plan, I'm going to bore people to death, but it's, just, it's, a, it's a roadmap for a community, for a sure. city. And it goes over everything. It's comprehensive. That's why it's called a comprehensive plan. It goes over where does money come from? How do you spend it? What do you spend it on? What are the priorities in the, yeah. in the, in, for everybody? Um, identifying demographics. Mm-hmm. Uh, comparing yourself to everybody around you. Pointing out the challenges. How, it, it, was, it was probably the, it was a, like a 13-month process. But I got to take a shortcut to see... I met everyone that worked for the city. I got yeah. to see all the facilities. I got to see the water treatment plants. I got to see everything. And so then once we had this comprehensive plan and we were done, somebody was like, hey, um, you should really consider running for city council and pushing this comprehensive plan through because it's just a plan that's formed by citizens, but you actually have to get it. Like It's just a piece of paper unless you actually enact it, right? So um, the previous mayor uh, was on city council at the time. He ran for mayor and won vacated his seat. Yeah. And so I didn't actually, when I first got on, on council, I didn't have to run for it. I just applied yeah. and I made a speech and they chose me to fulfill his remaining one yeah. year term. Then I had to run for reelection and, or for election. And, yeah. and that was, that was a lot of fun. It was hard work, literally knocking on doors. It's the old fashioned yeah. shaking hands, um, telling people your vision, giving them an elevator pitch. Um, and it was really helpful to, to talk to people it's an it's a lost art almost oh my gosh and certainly. so that was that was probably and there's in every community in every uh, not just a city but every community there's always those people that are just naysayers and negative and 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 you have to just block them out and yeah and that was kind of hard to 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 do because i'm a people pleaser and so, uh, but after a while, I was like, well, I'm just spending way too much energy trying to please everybody and I'm screwing it up. Yeah. And 
that was a really big lesson was just, hey, you were elected to office. You People gave you their vote because you said you were going to do this, yeah. this, this, and this. Do it. And if yeah. they don't like it, they'll vote you out. Who cares? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that. But it was basically just getting involved in, in the community, um, recognizing where we needed to go, and just putting yourself out there. I mean, it's it's really, really hard for somebody who was a super shy, stuttering kid growing up to just put yourself out there like that. But it's, it's made me a different person. It's made me a better person. And it's, it's, it hasn't given me this business, but it's given me the confidence to go out and start this business. People know me because I, yeah. because I, I, most people met me by me knocking on their door when I was campaigning. Yeah. And, and so they know me and they come in and I'm terrible with names, but you know, I, they, I see their faces and I know them and, yeah. and they know me and they're asking me questions about my kids and my dogs and you know, everything. Yeah. And, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun, but, uh, well, you wouldn't really think that community service like that public service would be fun, but it, it's a, it's a necessary. Yeah. We, there, we are nothing as a nation without people getting involved. Yeah. And, and that's what we, um, we have, we have to continue doing. And, yeah. and it has to be people like you and me doing it and other, and other people of our generation. We've, we just feel like this stuff just runs itself. It does not. Yeah. I mean, get, get involved in, in your school board, get involved in your Cub Scouts, get involved in, in your, in your uh, chamber of commerce. I mean, it doesn't run itself. Yeah. Somebody, you know, somebody's got to do it. Yeah. yeah. They're all proving grounds for governors and senators and presidents. And so you, you, if no one's feeding into that pipeline, it's just the crazy people, then that's what you get. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that's an amazing perspective. And I, I mean, I was going to ask like, well, you know, what similarities are there? What characteristics? But I mean, like you just talk about, it. I think it's like a business that you have to get voted in to do. Exactly. And yeah. so you have to win people's trust. And obviously every business is that you're, mm-hmm. you're winning people's trust for them to give you their money. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And yet that's a next level. I mean, I, I think most entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs and small business owners would close up shop if they had to go knock on strangers' doors. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, that was, I remember getting my campaign signs, which is your name, really, really big. Yeah. And going and knocking on people's, the first door I knocked on, they said no. I was like, hey, can I put a campaign sign? They said no. No. And, and I was just like, oh, I was expecting to be. Yeah just given permission to put this I'm yeah, young, young guy yes. and I'm like, ah, I'm a great it was, it was yeah. just like, no, I'm like, okay, thanks. Well, hopefully, you know, if you have any questions, here's my email. And that was it. And, and so it was like door to door sales of yeah. yourself. Yeah. And it was scary as hell. I so. had a taste of it. I mean, when I started in real estate, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any leads and I'm 34 now. I look like I'm 12, and I mm-hmm. get that that's partially because I do dress maybe like a brew beer. A true, beer, true, a true. Beer brewer. I, I, I don't <laughs> tuck is, in my shirt. This so. is my uniform. When people and, here, I'm 38, they're like, what? Yeah. yeah so. And and so every at like Keller Williams was like, well, you need good door knocking, cold call. And I didn't want to do either of those things. But I, I was like, okay, I will, though, to prove that I either, that I'm yeah. willing, prove that I can. Yeah. And I did it, and yeah. it sucked. It sucks. But I, I think that the, going through that, that suck is <laughs> is forming and it does shape you of like oh it, okay absolutely. somebody gets mad at you they're gonna call the cops on you people like not opening their door talking to you through a window because oh, yeah. we live in the world that we live in now yes. yeah and uh, that is scary again like i said earlier i worked <clears throat> for geek squad that was the worst it yeah. was it was it was your grandma's help desk yeah. and you got yelled at and and you got questions and your questions your answers weren't good enough and you you do when you go through this process you you have to put yourself out there 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 is 
very few businesses that you can just sit at home and not talk to anybody. Maybe you can be a programmer or something. I don't, I don't know, but, but I just, you have to put yourself out there somehow and it's scary. It's, it's terrifying. But I will say once you take that leap and once you get some experience behind you, it is so rewarding, so rewarding. So get involved somehow whether that's being a Cub Scout leader in your church. Yeah. Uh, Chamber of Commerce is probably the easiest way for entrepreneurs to get their name out there and to meet people. Um, I've, I'm not a member yet. I've been meaning to join, but as I, when I was mayor, I went to uh, the Sci-Fair Chamber of Commerce, and they're all really, really nice people. It's a bunch of, bunch of people like you and yeah. me, and you sit down to lunch, and you talk about your challenges, and you talk about this, but, but okay, this guy's a, the, you know making media this guy is, is an IT consultant. This guy is a lawyer. This guy yeah. does the security. You know, so when you need something, you automatically know, hey, I had lunch yeah. with this guy or this this lady. And you give them a call, and then it's back and forth. It's a community. and so, it, But it starts with putting yourself out there. It's a good point that in a world of social media and, like, social networking, that networking is extremely yes. underrated. It is. That getting out there shaking hands, meeting people and, and building trust. Cause again, everyone knows that my Instagram page is curated. Like mm-hmm. I put my best stuff there. I want to use yeah. the best stuff and yeah. think that I'm awesome. Yeah. But sitting face to face with somebody shaking their hand, looking in their eyes, like ah. there's just nothing that's ever going to replace that. Absolutely. Um, and and, and you can really tell too, like when, when Facebook and Instagram first came out, it was a lot of people's family pictures and you loved it. And now it's getting really saturated with brands. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. And everyone's we, a personal brand. Yeah. We contribute to it. I have my Senate Avenue page. I try to do at least, I try to do just one post a day, maybe two, if it's a beautiful day and we're trying to get people here, but you can see how people are just not really paying attention. If, and there was a time when we first opened, we first opened in October of last year and I was here all the time, 16-hour days, pounding the pavement, shaking people's hands, welcoming them in, telling us, telling them about our business. And then I, I was burnt out after the February freeze. Uh, you know, we we kind of, I was just, oh, man. And then we went through a time where I was just here brewing beer. I really wasn't here in the evenings talking to people. I didn't do the trivia nights myself anymore. And you could tell it was a little different because the mayor wasn't here shaking people's hands. And it yeah. was kind of here. People, want, people love yeah, a small business, but they want to see the donut shop across the street. The Danny, a very good friend. You walk in, he knows your name, he waves at you, and it's that experience that makes his donut shop different from any other one in the area. Same thing here, and so uh, now I'm back to doing these long days. Sometimes I don't do them as, as often, but but I I make it a point to walk around and shake people's hands because they can probably see me on social media. Yeah, but they're probably swiping right past it. Oh, they're sitting having again with the yeah, beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they know me. They feel like they know me. They. It's breaking that that personal, making that personal connection that you absolutely have to do. If you're yeah. doing a brick and mortar business like that, like like this, you have to be here. Oh you man, have to be. Well, here. I mean, Friday night, uh, I had some friends. We had a babysitter. It was the first time going out as a couple in a while, and is my wife and I and uh, another couple, and um, we went back and forth where we're going to get reservations on a Friday night for four of us. And I was like, who's like. Thursday afternoon. I was like, we're not. It's not yeah, happening. Nope. <laughs> but, um, I mean, my, like, one of my first choices if we're going to go into town is El Topo, who, uh, run by Tony Lerman, who's a guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And also is a good friend of mine. Yeah. And I want to go to my friend's place. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Like, I, that's I, what I, I totally want to, like, I want to go to the place where I know the guy yeah. and I sit down and I feel known. Like, the whole cheers thing where everybody yeah, knows your name is a big freaking deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, 
I don't know how I survived this long as a business owner, but also a politician, but I'm terrible with names. And yeah. so it takes me a long time to remember people's names. And I don't have any, do you have any tips on remembering? Do you remember people's names pretty easy? I feel, no, I feel like I, I try and there's a short term memory, yeah. but I also cheat. Is that like, I would like, if I know I'm going to a place, I would like get on Instagram. I will try to be like, I'll do that too. Who's going to be here? Oh, what was that guy's yeah. name? What was her husband's name? Yeah. I'll ask my wife. She, she'll know. And I'll be like, okay, who's this person? Yeah. I, and now you get to this age, right? I've got two kids. I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Knowing other people's kids' names? Oh, my gosh. This is ridiculous. Never going to happen. Johnny. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I like you a lot. And yes. I know you have children. I know you yeah. like them a lot. Yeah. They're strangers to me. But I, I do that, too. Like, especially if we do events and we do, you know, we post a trivia event. And I see who's, who RSVPs. Yeah. So I'll, before it happens, I'll look through and see who RSVPed. And I'll, and I'll, I'll look at that. But, oh, man, I, if anyone out there has any tips on remembering people's names, I would love, because I'm just the worst. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. Even customers have been here, like, since day one. I'm just, oh, so hard. And we actually can, like, go pull up the, the tabs and kind of oh, see yeah. names. So I do that every once in a while. Too, and I'll go say hi. My my mine is not a suggestion to remember the name. I just like come up with nicknames. Be like, hey, yeah. chief, yeah, <laughs> chief. <laughs> try that. What's up, buddy? Yeah, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm always like, yeah. Uh, I, I have a, a slew of nicknames to come up with. Well, man, I I want to honor your time. I appreciate uh, yeah. you jumping in all this. I have so much that I want to continue to ask you about, but maybe we'll just have to come back for season two and get a get a part two. In anytime, You're well, welcome man, anytime. Senate Ave, awesome beer, <laughs> awesome spot. Love. We'll push people your way. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thanks. Thanks. A huge thank you to Andrew and to you for listening to this episode of Houston Made. If you are ever on the northwest side of town, I truly recommend that you stop by Senate Ave for great food and even better beers. The Jalapeno Blonde is my favorite beer of theirs lately, so go check it out. If you haven't done so already, go follow Senate on Instagram at Senate Ave. That's Senate A-V-E, all one word. To keep up with their specials and all the new beers they're constantly releasing, it's really good stuff. If this is your first time listening to Houston Made, I'd absolutely recommend that you go check out some of our other episodes with guests from all kinds of industries, ranging from apparel printing to student mentors, realtors to ice sculptors. If you're interested in connecting further, you can find me on Instagram at Rusty J Gates or the show at Houston Made Podcast. I am wrapping up season one over the next several weeks. I'm going to go through December. So I would absolutely love to hear what you liked about the show, what you'd like to hear different, any of it. Give me some feedback. Houston Made is hosted by me, Rusty Gates, produced and edited in collaboration with Luke Bronner. Our artwork was designed by Stephanie Leal and Sarah Alwegfi in collaboration with Mac Ryan Creative. Credit for our theme music goes to old friends, new friends. Houston Made is glad to be a part of the Million Media neighborhood of podcasts and storytellers. We are people who care deeply about human connection, and in our neighborhood, we find that connection by hearing and appreciating one another's stories and by sharing our own. To find more shows made by amazing storytellers from all kinds of backgrounds, visit milliumedia.com. Music.